All right, here we are back again. This is the Didactic Mind podcast, and we are up to Didactic Mind episode 68, V-Day. A very warm welcome to all of my longtime uh, subscribers from the site. A very warm welcome to all of my longtime subscribers from Podbean, uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, and you have not yet subscribed, please make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you never ever miss a new upload. Uh, that way you will always be up to date with uh, the latest podcasts, both from the Didactic Mind main series and the much more rare, um, but equally insightful, uh, di- um, Domain Query uh, sub-series, where I basically answer questions posed by readers and listeners to my uh, main work, if you will. Uh, I just prefer to answer in audio form these days. It's often easier than spending an hour or two writing a post and having to structure all the ideas with a you know, domain query, you just sort of let it flow. Today being um, Valentine's Day, or at least it is um, for many of you if you're on the other side of the pond, here in uh, Pommy Bastard Land where I am, it is very much... Um, almost over, pretty much. Um, I'm recording this at about uh, 11 p.m. my time. Um, you know, I, I should have recorded it earlier, but I had a bunch of stuff to do and uh, been moving house. Um, so finally been getting settled in a bit. Um, and I have to say, today, yesterday and today were interesting because um, I got to see firsthand, somewhat, the enormous amounts of money spent on a completely made-up holiday. Um, now, before we get uh, too deep into all of this, uh, I want to take a moment to acknowledge some of the wider issues going on right now. And there is a lot going on, no question, no, no doubt about it. Um, I'm sure you've been paying attention. I'm sure you've seen the news uh, his most illustrious, noble, august, benevolent, and legendary celestial majesty, the God Emperor of Mankind, Donaldus Triumphus Magnus Astra, the first of his name, the Lion of Midnight, the Chaddest of Chads, may the Lord bless him and preserve him, has been acquitted. Again, uh, his impeachment trial was nothing short of a complete and utter farce, and anyone with half a brain could figure that out, which is more of a brain than the entire set of Senate Democrats combined. Um, no one in his right mind could watch the evidence and say that Donald Trump incited the Capitol uh, riot, so, so-called riot, the so-called insurrection. Just calling it an insurrection is a bad joke. Um, that was not an insurrection. I mean, if you actually watch the video, of a Chewbacca guy and you know the the, the, sh- <laughs> the that hilarious uh, sh- uh, shaman in the red and white red white and blue face paint with the the buffalo horns and the the bare chest and the fur cape or whatever the hell he was wearing wandering in they were like the chillest block party you've ever seen they're just wandering around the capital taking snapshots of themselves if that was an insurrection it was the lamest insurrection i've ever seen it was ridiculous an insurrection, for those of you who have never been through regime change before, an insurrection is much more violent. An insurrection involves people getting shot in the streets. Now, yes, someone was shot. Actually, two or three people were shot um, on that day. 
One of them, Ashley Babbitt, um, a 14 year veteran of the Air Force, she died. Uh, another one, I think, was a police officer who died somewhere on the spot. Um, but there's simply no way that you can call that an insurrection. There is simply no way that you can argue that the Capitol Hill uh, protesters, peaceful protesters, were in any way engaged in uh, insurrectionist activities. The, the very idea is absurd to anyone who's actually seen what an insurrection looks like. And again, I have. I had to flee my home, you know, my family had to flee our home uh, in Southeast Asia during um, a very, very particularly nasty spot of bollock in 1998. So I know what it's like when a government falls. Uh, it's not pretty. It's, it's incredibly violent. It's incredibly vicious. It's, a, it's an absolutely terrifying time. Whether or not you take AOC seriously, uh, Alexandria Occasional Cortex, and her ridiculous baby voice, and I mean, she's got a sweet rack, um, but her, her voice and her horse teeth, um, they really frighten me. That is not a woman I want to be taking advice from, but, you know, th the fact is Donald Trump has been acquitted twice. Uh, seven Republicans voted to impeach him. Every one of those seven Democrats needs to go through a primary. And every one of those uh, seven Republicans, Republic cucks, needs to be turfed out of office immediately. These people cannot be trusted. This is why people like me hate the Republican Party. This is why we have such loathing and contempt for it. The, the, whenever you actually need Republicans to stand and fight, and the God Emperor said this on the Capitol uh, on January 6th, he said it. Republicans need to fight. They need to stand up for themselves. They need to fight back against the left. And they never do it. It's pathetic. It's so disgusting to watch. And this is why, you know, I argue with conservatives about this. Conservatives don't conserve a single damn thing. Donald Trump came along and governed like a conservative president, very much like a standard traditionalist Republican. But unlike most Republicans, he actually had a spine and he actually fought for what he believed in. And again, a lot of people, a lot of his supporters, including me, are really disappointed that he did not invoke the, the Insurrection Act, bring in the military, and literally start hanging traitors off the bridges on the Potomac. I mean, I would have happily watched him do that. I would have been very, very happy if he'd just done that. And, you know, to hell with the, the prostitutes and the hornalists and all their screaming. Those people deserve to be the first in line to receive some summary justice, because that's how badly they have betrayed their own country and their own people. They are traitors, and they deserve to be treated like traitors. I'm sick and tired of listening to Republicans saying we need to play nice. We need to be honorable. We need to, we, we shouldn't be like the left. The left are evil. We shouldn't be evil. We shouldn't resort to their tactics. Well, yeah, fine. But then actually have some spine and stand up for yourselves. And they never do that. They never actually do that. They, they're always all about, you know, the, they're always all about race blending, miscegenation, um, uh, global homo politics. They're all in favor of gay marriage, gay quote unquote marriage. They're all in favor of all the degenerate shit that the left want, the left wants to do. They just want to do it a little bit slower. Well, if you're going towards a cliff at 200 miles an hour and your brakes are gone, 
there's a cliff ahead of you. What good is it to say, oh, we only want to go over 150? How does that help? How does that help anybody? And that's the problem. Nobody stands up. Nobody takes a, takes, takes a moment to say, you know what? I'm not going to move. You move. The people who do this, um, who stand up for themselves, are persecuted for it. And we saw that with Gina Carano's case uh, earlier this week. Gina Carano's case is particularly instructive. Uh, Gina, Miss Carano is a, quite an admirable woman. I, I like her. Um, I've seen some of her fight footage, and she was a tremendous fighter. Very, very tough, very disciplined, very capable. Um, she got her ass handed to her by Chris Cyborg. Uh, but then again, you know, Cyborg is basically a dude. Um, if you, I'm, you know, I'm not, that's, I could get into a lot of trouble for saying that in public, um, because, you know, that's, you're not supposed to say stuff like that about women, which I'll get onto in a bit. Um, the, the topic of today's podcast is indeed about male female relations, but if you listen to Cyborg talk, just go online, look up, uh, press videos of her, uh, on YouTube. Listen to, uh, uh, cyborg talking she sounds like a dude and the reason she sounds like a dude is because of all the testosterone supplements she's taking and that's not news she has popped in the past for uh way high free test levels way higher than expected so she is definitely she was definitely taking some of that good old vitamin s and she just put an absolute beat down on crush gina carano but Gina Carano made a name for herself by basically standing up to the SJW mob and saying, you know what, no, I'm not going to bend the knee. I'm not going to bow down to you. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to put forth my own point of view. And if you don't like it, that's tough. And she got absolutely slammed by the, the Blue Check Brigade on Twitter. Um, she got hammered by uh, the Lucasfilm story group with you know, the, the, the SJW hardcore faction within Lucasfilm itself. So all of that happened to her, and she still has the grace and the decency and the kindness to be a genuine and really good human being. That's a very admirable woman. But she also had a big target painted on her back. If The, the lesson for you is very clear. If you're going to do what Gina Carano did, and that's good, you should do that, understand that the woke nonsense, the woke bullshit that's permeating throughout all of corporate America and all of, you know, management pretty much everywhere, I mean, outside of Eastern Europe and much of Asia, thank God, um, all of that woke nonsense is just, it's a, it's a smoke dream. The moment you actually do something that offends somebody, it doesn't matter who you are, if you are offensive enough, you will be censored and you will be thrown out on your ass. Apparently, Lucasfilm execs had been, or Disney execs had been planning to fire her for months um, because of all the stuff that she had said or uh, tweeted, the retweets that she had done, the fact that she had expressed support for Donald Trump, the fact that she was skeptical about mask usage, the fact that she tweeted out a, a kind of not very cryptic um, puzzle message, which essentially said, Jeffrey, you know, Epstein didn't kill himself, which he didn't. Um, all of that, because of all of that, uh, Gina Carano had to be silenced, and she was. But 
she decided to keep fighting. Now, unfortunately, the way she decided to keep fighting was stupid because she's now gone and signed on with uh, Ben Shapiro's uh, Daily Wire production company, whatever it's called, I forget, um, to do a film. Well, okay, the very first film that Ben Shapiro's production company released uh, had a, you know, um, a black and white couple in it. It had an interracial couple and was trying to push that narrative um, onto its viewers that, you know, interracial marriage is okay. And look, again, I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. It's an individual choice. Um, I myself am in a mixed race relationship, right? Uh, I come from mixed race parents. I, I am a mixed race child myself. So when, when people say, you know, race mixing is bad. Well, on an individual level, it's your choice. Do it if you want. If you don't, fine. Um, but don't go around telling people that it's necessary and right and just and good for society because it's not. That's just a fact. It's not good for society as a whole. Um, there is a reason why xenophobia is rooted in the idea of fearing the other, the outsider. There's a reason for it. It's an evolutionary reason, and it's a good reason. So stop pretending that this very disciplic way of doing things is good for society. It's not. And that's my problem with Ben Shapiro and uh, the, the entire Neo-Palestinian Brigade. They're all the same. They all, they, they all come down to the same thing. It's all the same nonsense. It's the left's package of lies rebranded and sold on as, you know, conservatism, quote-unquote. And it's ridiculous. Again, if you as an individual want to marry someone of a different race, hey, that's between the two of you. God bless you and all your variety. I don't have any problem with that. But don't go around telling the rest of us that that's a good thing, because it's not. Objectively, it's not. Whether you look at it in terms of genetics or IQ or education outcomes or... Uh, divorce rates, it's not a good thing. All right? It just doesn't work. As a general rule, there are exceptions. So, with respect to the lessons learned from Gina Carano, make sure you are protected at all times. Again, I've been hammering this on you for weeks and weeks and weeks. If you don't use a VPN right now, you're being an idiot. I mean, if you're surfing the net right now without a VPN, you know, it used to be like, there's that old joke about using condoms, um, from, you know, comparing the 1970s versus today. It's the same thing. Uh, the, the joke goes that if you, if you had sex in the, in the 70s, if you had sex with a condom, um, that was like having a shower while wearing a raincoat. Today, if you have sex without wearing a condom, it's like having a shower while wearing a plugged in toaster. That's exactly what surfing the net without a VPN connection is like. These days, if you want the government to know exactly what you're doing at all times, surf the net without a VPN. If you want the Blue Check Brigade to find out where you are and dox you and you know expose your details for the whole world to see, surf without a VPN. If you want to be traced and tracked, if you want Google to know exactly what you're up to at all times, surf without a VPN. Actually, I mean, if you're using a Google product in general, that's what's going to happen. They'll know all your personal information. And I'm guilty of this myself. My original persona was based um, around a Google account. 
uh, and I have to move off that to ProtonMail or Yandex. Um, and you know, it's something that I just have to find the time to do, to, to enact. And it's not going to be easy because you know the, the reason why people use Google is because it's convenient. But you've got to stop. You've got to stop tying yourself down to the cult of free. And you've got to stop pretending that free shit is a good thing. It's not. It's dangerous. If you don't understand when you're using a, a free product what the customer is or who the customer is, your or rather, what the product is, you are the product. It's you. It's your data. It's your personality. That's the product. That's how they make money, by selling your data. So please stop pretending as though this is okay, that this is justified, and that this is right. It's not. Do something about it. Right now, you can get 80-plus um, percent off on Surfshark. Great VPN connection, great company. And you will be largely protected, not completely, because no, there's no complete protection solution out there. For every problem or for every strategy, there's, there's a counter strategy. And a VPN won't protect you 100%, but it'll get you a hell of a long way there. So make sure you take advantage of that. Now, um, seeing as how the original theme of tonight's discussion, or tonight's monologue, if you will, was all about men and women, I thought I'd take a look at... Um, what Valentine's Day is and why most of us hate it so much. At least most of us who, you know, are not sappy romantic men. See, there's a great episode, or there's, there are several great episodes of uh, Becker. If you've never seen the show, go look it up uh, on YouTube. I think you can get all the episodes for free on YouTube itself if you don't want to do that. Here, by the way, here's another great reason to get Surfshark or any other VPN connection. Log in to a VPN, go to Pirate Bay, or any other pirate website you want, and download as much of Hollyweird's crap as you want from the good old days, like back when they actually made good sitcoms and good movies. Don't give them a dime. Take it all. Why should you? You're funding the people who hate you, so stop funding them. Go to Pirate Bay, and it's much easier to do if you have a VPN connection. And just download to your heart's content. That's a very good reason to get a VPN because then they can't trace you. They cannot, the, the authorities in question cannot trace you back to where you came from because most of these VPN companies, particularly, um, I think Proton VPN and NordVPN, uh, do actually have verified no logs policies. So they, I mean, they, Every VPN company has logs on their servers which say you know, these IP addresses logged into this server, but they destroy those logs at the end of every day. So only NordVPN and ProtonVPN, as far as I know, to this day, have no log policies verified. So now, if you go and watch um, a great episode of Becker called Love Lies Bleeding, John Becker walks in and he's a cranky, cantankerous doctor who is, he's actually got a heart of gold, but he's just a grumpy old git. And he comes in and he starts raving about Valentine's Day and how it's a, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a conspiracy cooked up by an unholy alliance of flower and greeting card cartels that uh, aim to suck all the life out of a, a, a day dedicated to love 
And yeah, this is a guy who's been divorced twice, so of course he's got a unique perspective on the subject. And in the process, he ends up having to intervene when uh, a very passionate couple sitting at a booth in the diner and uh, the, the woman stabs, them, stabs her boyfriend in the hand with a fork. Uh, and the, the whole episode revolves around these mishaps with respect to this one day of, of love and ha- that's supposed to be a celebration of love and actually ends up being a very good demonstration of why uh, commercializing such a holiday is such a terrible idea. Well, maybe it's time on a day like this that we all step back and take a look at male-female power relations in the modern day. Remember last week I talked about uh, sex robots and not really a typical subject for me, I admit, but um, I talked about how the advent of real lifelike sex robots with real personalities or seeming to have real personalities and almost lifelike interactions with people would spell a complete inversion of uh, the entire sexual and marriage marketplace. I talked about that at some length. Now, we're not at that point yet, so let's talk about what things are like today. And the first thing you're going to notice as a reasonably awake and self-aware man is that things are not the way you were promised as a kid. And this always comes down to this whole concept of red versus blue pill. This is the, this is the, the, the starting point that almost every man gets to when he has to take the red pill. And the red pill is a horrible, horrible thing to take. It really is. Once you take it, you see the world for what it is. You cannot tolerate the lies anymore. And this one issue is the one thing that converts men to the red pill more than anything else. What were you taught as a kid, as a a young boy growing up? Treat women with respect. Always be nice to them. Always open doors for them. Always carry for them. Always... Uh, be kind and chivalrous to them. Always make allowances for them. Always give them the benefit of the doubt. Never be aggressive with them. Always be uh, basically the white, the, the knight in shining armor for them. That's what we were taught. That was a successful model for male-female interactions up until about the 1960s. Uh, mid to late 1960s, because that's when everything started to change. The, the the tensions had been building for a long time before that. I mean, the feminist movement had been around for, oh, up to that point, at least 70 years, maybe longer. But there, there had been significant tensions building behind the scenes. A lot of people, a lot of guys in the manosphere talk about the 1950s as a golden age, and it was, in a lot of ways. But that was also the time when a lot of these tensions built up beneath the surface about questions concerning what a man's role is and what a woman's role really is and whether they are interchangeable. Uh, A lot of feminist literature started coming out in the late 50s to early 60s, upending this notion that women belonged in the home and men belonged in the workplace. A lot of arguments, a lot of, of books by newly self-empowered women 
challenged the notion that a woman really needed to be a homemaker and a man really needed to be a breadwinner. But the, the myth of male and female polarity continued. And I say it's a myth, not because it's actually like, it's, it's untrue. It's not. That's the, that's the way you actually obtain happiness in life is when men are performing our designated roles and women are performing their designated roles. And when the two overlap or the two, or one tries to interfere with the territory of the other, that's when things go very, very horribly wrong. But it's a myth in the sense that in the modern context, it doesn't work. This idea that you can be the knight in shining armor, you can be the chivalrous man and get a high quality woman doesn't work. And why is that? The simple answer is because women don't hold up their end of the bargain anymore. And the reason they don't do it is because we men don't hold them responsible. Here's the problem. We are given completely conflicting and contradictory messages growing up. On the one hand, we're told in school that women or girls are just as good as boys, that girls can do everything that boys can do. And girls have this propaganda rammed into them too. Our boys are treated as malfunctioning girls. They're, they're treated like there's something wrong with them for being boisterous and, and competitive and energetic and wanting to play with robots and, and, you know, be superheroes and be G.I. Joes and be pirates and be, uh, warriors and, and policemen and soldiers. And girls want to play with dolls and, have tea parties. Boys are considered to be defective by our education establishment. This is an incredibly pernicious and dangerous idea. I've seen it myself. I saw it when I was growing up. A lot of our teachers had a hard time dealing with energetic boys. Uh, but our lifestyles have changed to the point where boys don't really go outside and play very much. They, it's too dangerous. Everything's dangerous for boys, which is ridiculous. I mean, we're boys. We're stupid. We're, we're, we're meant to run face first into trees and have our teeth knocked out. That's what we do. Okay. That's how we learn. If you look at, um, the diff, the, I mean, the fundamental difference in, in maturity between men and women. I mean, when do women grow up? When do, when do women achieve a, a level of intellectual and emotional maturity? It's around about the age of 18. Uh, men is more like the, the age of about 35. Okay. Seriously. I mean, most guys don't stop thinking with their little head and don't start thinking with their big head until they're about 30-ish. There is a reason why I think it was Aristotle, I think, don't quote me on this, I think it was Aristotle, who said that the appropriate age for a, for a woman to marry is about 15. Now, I'm not, please understand, I'm not advocating for that. I'm just saying that's what he said. Things were different. 3,000 years ago and 2,500 years ago in Greece, okay? I'm not saying the legal age for women to marry should be 15. Not saying that. I do think it should be 18, though. I think I, I do think that girls should get married as soon as possible after their 18th birthday. I do think that. Um, and he said that the, the right age for a man to get married is about 30. And honestly, I think Aristotle was onto something. He was right, because... As we age, as men, we gain value slowly over time. 
a woman, I've said this many times in my red pill related posts on my site. Men start out poor in the sexual and marriage marketplaces. We start out poor, we have very little. We gain gradually in value over time. So that by the time a man reaches 55, 60 even, in some cases these days, by the time he reaches that age, if he's got his shit together, if he's spent a lifetime accumulating wealth and he's built up his assets, he's built up his finances, he's done well for himself, he's well-traveled, he's in good shape, relatively speaking, he understands something about the ways of the world, he is self-confident, he is mature, he has experienced much of what the world has to offer, he is an incredibly valuable man. A woman starts out rich and loses value very quickly. Another much simpler way to put it, you know, again, a red pill maxim, is that men age like fine wine and women age like milk. And that's the truth. I don't care if you're offended by it. It's the truth. Why then are we continuing to pretend that women can do everything that men can? Because they can't, and they're not supposed to. It's a terrible idea. It's a stupid idea. And here we are on the day that celebrates love in a society that does everything to destroy that love. When is love given its most powerful expression? When a man and a woman come together to marry. That is, marriage is the apotheosis of love. It is the ultimate expression of love. When a man and a woman conceive a child and bring that child into this world, that is the apotheosis of hope. A child is, is the ultimate expression of hope. These are beautiful and wonderful things. But we as a society, or in Western society at least, are doing everything possible to destroy everything that makes love good. We are attempting to turn our boys into girls and our girls into boys. Have you noticed, if you're walking around in Western societies today, how most of the women that you see are fat, tattooed, have dyed hair, often smoke, have piercings, swear like sailors, look awful, you know, they look incredibly unkempt and disheveled, don't take care of themselves, they don't take care of their appearance, they don't take care of their surroundings, they don't know how to cook, they don't know how to clean, they don't know how to look after a house. Have you noticed that? That's because they are being taught lies from an early age. To understand how badly they've been lied to, you need to get out of the West. And you need to do what I've done, and what many men like me have done. And you need to go elsewhere. You need to go to countries where they still value femininity among their girls. And they still value masculinity among their boys. They, they value the masculine ideals of strength, courage, mastery, and honor. If you don't know what those four things mean, go and read... Um, uh, the Way of Men by Jack Donovan. Uh, it's strange that I should be saying this. Um, Jack Donovan is, well, he's a homosexual. Um, he himself prefers the term androphile. I have no idea why, but he's basically a homosexual. Um, 
and yet he wrote one of the best books that I've ever seen on the subject of what it means to be a man. Uh, he, he wrote a book that basically explained why men think and act the way we do. He, he talked about the four masculine virtues, the, 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 the primary drivers of what it means to be not just a good man, but good at being a man. And the two are completely different in many ways. In many cases, these are, these are very separate concepts. You can be a good man and still be a pathetic spineless weakling. Right, that's a fact. Okay. Uh, it, it pains me to say this because it's a very personal example. My grandfather was a very good man, a profoundly good and decent man. I loved him very much while he was alive. I miss him very much, you know, to this day. A lot of what is best about me is derived directly from my grandfather, you know, from my granddad through my dad to me. A lot of what is best about me comes from those two men. But my granddad was not a strong man. He was actually quite weak. And I don't want to go into details, but that weakness affected our family growing up. And I didn't realize until I was well into my 20s, my late 20s actually, when he died, uh, just how profoundly, well, I was, I was 30 when he died actually, um, I didn't realize just how profoundly his weakness damaged and destroyed some of the bonds that we had as a family. And it pains me to talk about this stuff because it is intensely personal, but a weak man is in many ways the undoing of his family. And it was, my, my grandmother died first. She, she died about four years before my grandfather did. Uh, and my grandmother was an incredibly domineering, vol volcanic, in, in terms of temper, temperament, woman. But she was the dynamo, the motor that, that kept everybody else running. She, she, she was also the glue that bound everyone else together. And we didn't realize it until after she died. While she was alive, we all thought it was my granddad who was the binding force. No, it really wasn't. It was her. And once she died, we realized why. That, I, I will simply say that weak fathers make weak sons. And I'm not talking about my dad. Um, I, you know, I've seen enough of it in my own family, my extended family, and in other people's families to say that uh, weak fathers make weak sons. And again, not my dad that I'm talking about here. I'm talking about other members of my family um, outside of, like, beyond um, not even in, in, in my immediate family, like just beyond all of that, like distant relations I'm talking about. So it's, it's not even close relatives that I'm talking about. This is other people, people of people who know people. And, you know, even among friends of mine, I've seen the same thing. This is a curse that we have brought upon ourselves. And 
A big part of the problem is most men these days don't even know what it means to be a man. We think, because we're told to think this way, that the way you express love as a man is to buy a woman expensive gifts on a made-up holiday. And that's what today is. It's a made-up holiday. Valentine's Day isn't real. There's nothing of substance behind it. Valentine's Day is just, um, you know, it's, it's an artifact. It's, it's, it's a ritual. It, it, it's, there's nothing behind it because if you actually look at Saint Valentine, I mean, supposedly the patron saint of love, well, no, not really. Um, he died a quite horrific death. He actually died, uh, supposedly at the hands of a mob that, um, beat him with sticks and, and, and stones. And then when he didn't die, um, they took him to uh, the, the Roman governor somewhere, and he was beheaded. So, you know, if you really want to celebrate Valentine's Day, you should celebrate it by watching a beheading. It doesn't seem to me to be a particularly um, romantic thing to do, but hey, what do I know? Uh, but that's precisely the wrong thing to do, it's, it, to, to, to propitiate a woman with gifts just because of a specific day. If it's your wedding anniversary, sure. If it's the birth of your child, sure. Um, you know, she's your wife. She, she married you. She brought, she's faithful to you. She brought life into the world. Your son, your daughter into the world. I mean, honor your wife for those things. That's wonderful. That's great. That's, that's right. That's good. But just because, you know, some, flower company or greeting card company said you should celebrate this day therefore you must know that's stupid to understand what life is like when men and women are in balance meaning they're actually in polarity men do what men do and women do what women do and when those pol that that polarity is achieved then you have harmony because each is doing what nature intended him or her to do. To understand what that's like, you have to leave the West, because the West is just, it, it's awful. The reason why so many Western women are so unattractive and so unpleasant to be around is precisely because they're in an environment which encourages them to be unattractive and unpleasant. I've been in England for a couple of months now, and uh, it's exactly, it's, it's worse than I remember the last time I was here, which was about six years ago. Um, yeah, six years ago, actually. Jeez, it's been that long. Uh, I, was, uh, I was living in London for work at the time, and I'd wander around, and I'd just look at women in London, and be like, well, number one, it's not even a British city anymore. It's, it's, it's a, mostly a foreign city. Uh, England has fallen prey to that entire diversity uberales nonsense, which is the destruction and death of any co coherent and cogent civilization. Um, London is not a an English city. It's not a British city. It's a foreign city. It's it's overrun by people who have nothing to do with Britain and don't want anything to do with Britain. But I would wander around on the streets and I'd just be like, ugh, this is so depressing. Women don't, women dress very sloppily. They, they're not, they're not pleasant to be around. They don't talk pleasantly. They don't sound pleasant. They don't, they're not refined. They're not nice. 
And if you walk down to uh, my favorite art gallery anywhere in the world, it's the single best art gallery, I think, anywhere. The Tate Britain, near uh, Pimlico Station, uh, on the Jubilee Line. Go all the way down there. Uh, it's not far away from Victoria Station, uh, Victoria Interchange, and uh, very beautiful part of town. Walk into the Tate Britain. Stay away from the modern art gallery at the top, which is just awful. Uh, I mean, if that if that particular bit of the Tate Britain burned to the ground or you know, was somehow accidentally consumed in a fire, it would be no loss because it's all modern art and therefore junk. But if you look at the rest of the Tate Britain, there are paintings on the walls that are so astonishingly brilliant. It looks as though the subjects of those paintings are alive. And there's one particular painting which, uh, hanging on a wall somewhere, shows English girls in a Victorian or Edwardian setting just having a picnic. And I could swear, I, I, I swore I was looking at a photograph at first because it was so lifelike. The painter had done such a brilliant job. But you would see women who were happy, healthy, smiling, dressed nicely, demure, chaste, pleasant to be around. Now, that's not to say that women didn't get up to some hanky-panky back in the day. They absolutely did. The Victorians were notorious uh, hypocrites when it came to matters of sex and fidelity. Uh, and that's a fact. I mean, look at... Um, Look at some of the more, the most famous Victorians of their age, and there were some rather questionable dealings going on behind all the straight-laced morality. But um, that was a time when men did what men do, and women did what women do. To get an idea of what that's like today, you have to leave the West. You have to go to, let's say, Thailand, or Vietnam, or Indonesia, to some extent. Uh, I, you can go to uh, Latin or Central America and you'll see the same thing. Um, I know, I mean, Carl Trouble, my friend, has been to Eastern Europe, he's been to Latin America, he's had a great time pretty much everywhere he's ever been, he's met lots of girls, he's dated lots of girls, um, he's had a great time being in those situations, and now he's happily married to a beautiful Eastern European girl in Ukraine. He's, he's living in, uh, in, uh, you know, in the, in the middle of, uh, Kiev, um, and having a good time doing it. More power to him. He's happy. But the reason why he left was because he was so sick and tired of meeting trashy girls. Girls who, who, who just did not respect themselves and did not respect the men that they were with. So he left. And that's maybe what you have to do. But that's only a temporary solution. It's only going to make you mentally and emotionally happy for a little while. Eventually, you're going to realize that the problems that you see with male-female relationships are ones that you have to solve. You have to choose to solve them. And it's not going to be fun. It's not a fun choice. You're going to have to make a bunch of sacrifices and a bunch of adjustments to your vision of the world and what you want out of things before you're going to get what you want. And maybe you're not even going to get what you want because it's not really, in all honesty, it's not really in your hands. It's in God's hands. It's up to you to accept whether or not... It's up to you to accept what He chooses for you. And some of you may well find yourselves doomed 
at least from a secular perspective, doomed to a life of um, bachelor living, uh, maybe even celibacy. It's not fun. It's, it's not easy. It's not fun. But you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that there, there just isn't a woman out there who is right for you and you're not right for her. A lot of the time, you're going to realize that in order to become interesting to be around, in order to become an interesting, attractive man, well, you're going to have to change. And this, again, is another lie that most men learn, is this whole idea of you should be yourself. Just be yourself and women will be attracted to you. No, that's bullshit. Women are not attracted to losers. Women are not attracted to weak men. Women are not attracted to um, poor dirtbags, with some exceptions. If you have charisma and charm and confidence, those attract a woman. Most of you, unfortunately, will not have the charisma that comes from, you know, that, that, that broke rock stars have or broke guitarists even have um, when they're going between gigs and, and sleeping on people's couches in their own vomit, um, which is what musicians do. Most of you won't have that. Most of you need more than just that. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You're, you're going to need to build yourself up. The way you do it is by becoming an interesting man. And again, go back to the way of men. I don't recommend it as a 100% foolproof guide because it's not. Again, it's written by a gay guy. If you want a pair of books that will teach you how to make a man out of yourself, I much rather recommend to you my friend Adam Piggott's books, Pushing Robert Downhill and Run Guts Paul Cones. This is the story of Adam Piggott as he moved from being a kind of wishy-washy, weak, um, sappy, beta male type to a highly confident, highly seasoned, highly experienced river raft guide. You need to be able to demonstrate value. And the way you demonstrate value is by gaining experience in the world. And the way you gain experience in the world is by having bad experiences and learning from them and getting beaten down and crushed and you know, destroyed and picking yourself up again. I'll tell you what I have learned over the last three years of going through some of those experiences myself. I have learned that whatever you think you can handle as a man, you are probably wrong. You can handle a lot more. And whenever you think you've reached your breaking point, you're still probably wrong. You can you can be pushed a lot further before you break. And however um, crazy things are, however horrible things are, there's always something to be grateful for. No matter how hard your life is, you still have things in your life that set you apart. And you should be grateful for those things. You have things in your life that beautify your life, that, that add value to your life. So 
be happy about that and be grateful for that and express that gratitude. There's nothing worse and nothing more off-putting than a man or a woman who is not grateful, who is not thankful. A lack of gratitude is deadly to a person's uh, ability to confront trauma. The moment you are happy and grateful for things in your life, you become much more resilient. And this, again, is a lesson that most men need to learn these days. They, they don't know it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. Most women, in the West at least, aren't grateful for the things that they've been given because they've got no reason to be. Again, remember what I said. Women start out rich and become poor very fast. Women age like milk. They start out wonderful and young and tight and firm and just fantastic in every way. If they're not careful about how they spend that currency, they're going to end up very, very quickly, extremely quickly, within 10 years, uh, ugly and haggard. And it's not a fun transformation to watch. You want a really good example of how that works? Go look at Penny from The Big Bang Theory, Kaylee Cuoco. Okay. She was um, this ditzy fake blonde. Uh, she got a boob job, actually, in, in, in season two, and then I think she got rid of it um, by season four or five. Um, when you looked at her up until about season seven, Kaylee Cuoco was just the business. I mean, she was just stunning. Now, seasons one through seven corresponded, oddly enough, with uh, Kaylee Cuoco's most fertile years. Kaylee, Miss Cuoco is about the same age as me, I think. Maybe a year younger. Uh, by the time the show finished in 2018, she was 33. She was, she'd been looking over the hill for about four years at that point. By the time season eight rolled around of The Big Bang Theory, she definitely looked like she was past her sell-by date. That's how fast that lifestyle ages you. That's how fast that lifestyle of having lots of boyfriends and never committing to a man and being married as, as she was. She was married uh, for a while to a jock athlete. Um, I think uh, Jack Sweeting or something was his name. She, she, was, she was known as Kaylee Cuoco Dash Sweeting for, um, for a long time uh, before she divorced him. And now she's married to Carl Cook. By the way, for all of you guys who pine away after the beta male fantasy of, you know, being a, an uber geek with 155 IQ like Leonard Hofstadter and landing a smoking hot girlfriend like Penny from The Big Bang Theory, put that out of your minds because that's ridiculous. In real life, Johnny Galecki and Kelly Cuoco did date for a couple of years. They broke up. Who did, who did the actress behind Penny end up with? A big tall jock, a, a, an athlete, a tennis player. So don't fall for this myth. It, it, it doesn't come true. This idea of just being yourself and just being nice to girls and, and no, no, it doesn't work. Now, I'm a Christian, so a lot of the more harsh 
dark triad truths about the red pill, I, I do not advocate them. I do not advocate treating girls like dirt. I do not advocate fornication. I do not advocate um, going out and pulling girls and having random sex with girls. I don't advocate any of that. I think that's a terrible idea. I think it's horrible for men. I think it's even more horrible for women. So I, I'm not in favor of that. A lot of the the really, you know, hardcore red pill stuff about how if you treat a woman like dirt and um, you just make it clear that she's not she's not of any value to your life unless she adds value to it, it's a little extreme. Well, it is very extreme, but there's a kernel of hard truth to it, which is that if you're a man, you need to be devoting yourself to your mission. What is your mission? You must find it. You must go in search of that mission. I found my mission. My mission is to teach a new generation of men how to be men, to, to teach them lessons I never learned. My, my mission is to give hope to men, to bring them hope and wisdom and guidance, whatever I can. That's my purpose in life, to spread the truth, however I see it, and whatever it costs me. And it's going to cost me a lot. It is costing me a lot. It's not fun doing some of the things that I do. But I do it anyway, because I have a goal in mind. And you know what? When you do that, you're going to find that high-quality women, not just women, but high-quality women, attach themselves to you in real life. Why is that? Because women love a man who has drive, ambition, and purpose. And who is willing to put that drive, ambition, and purpose above himself and his needs, but is still capable of taking care of her and looking after her needs. And that's a hard lesson to learn. I had to learn this lesson very much the hard way many times, many, many, many times, and I'm still learning it, about how sometimes you have to put aside what you want and you have to ignore what your conscience is telling you. And you have to kind of grit your teeth and just accept someone else telling you something you know isn't true. Because that person matters to you. That, that person's life and health matter to you. You just have to accept it. That doesn't mean you have to agree with it. You can have a fundamental disagreement and still be close and still get along with that person. But you simply have to accept it and you have to deal with the fact that you're not going to see eye to eye. It's just the reality of it. That is what a relationship in many ways is. It's a series of compromises between what you want and what someone else wants. And if you're, comp if you're, comp if you're compromising too much and you're giving away who you are, you're not being authentic to yourself, you need to leave. You just need to get out at that point. You need to get out and go be with someone else because you're not meant to be with that person. It's not going to happen. Um, I've been in that situation, sort of, uh, where you know, someone I really wanted to be with was not an authentic person at all. And I knew that you know, intellectually, I knew it um, very early on. I knew that within three months of, of getting kind of seriously involved. Um, but the head and the heart want two different things. And when that happens, it's the devil's own job 
to try to separate the two. It becomes very, very difficult. And that process of separation is unbelievably painful. But you have to go through it. You have to go through the heartbreak and the pain and the wrenching dislocation that comes with it. Because what comes along eventually is maturity and wisdom. And those are the two qualities that you must cultivate as a man. You must seek out ways to become wise and mature. And unfortunately, the way to do that is through gaining a lot of bad experience in life. You can short-circuit a lot of it, though. You can short-circuit a lot of it simply by being faithful to God. Putting your trust in Him, reading the Bible, applying its lessons, and learning from the Bible, because that's the beauty of the Scriptures. These are living words. These are the living gospel of Jesus Christ. When you go back to the Bible and you read a passage, let's say one year, you go back to it the next year and you read it again with fresh eyes, you'll see something different. The words will jump off the page at you and they will mean something new. And that's the point. That's why it is the living word of God. The pages contain truths that move with you and grow with you as a man. That is how you get past a lot, not all of, but a lot of the growing up process. Because Christianity is a religion that forces you to grow up. It forces you to mature. It forces you to think. So, learn from it. Have faith. Be the kind of man that God needs you to be. And ask him what kind of man he needs you to be. Ask him. He'll tell you. It's going to be unpleasant. A lot of the time it's going to be really unpleasant. But he'll tell you. He'll explain to you why you are going through these tests. It's not going to be a direct, you know, here's, look, listen, Sonny, sit down, sit your butt down. This is what you've done wrong. This is why I need you to improve. This is how you're going to fix it. Now go fix it. It's not like that. I mean, it's more subtle than that. You'll get feelings. You'll get hints. You'll get ideas. You'll get emotions. You'll get things in your conscience stirring and telling you, eh, yeah, I really don't want to do that. I don't need this. I don't want that. I don't. That's good. That's God through the Holy Spirit guiding you to an end that he needs you to go to. Don't ignore that. It's very precious and very important. And when the time comes for you to find a woman, you know, don't go for the, the, the whole Christian mingle sappy nonsense, but exercise your discretion. Put the woman that you're with through some rigorous checks. Check her family, check her background, check whether she means what she says, check whether she's honest. Above all, for a Christian man to get through to a Christian woman, it's almost like you have to get through God to get to her. She should be, the ideal is that she should be so deep in the faith that you literally have to push through God to get to her. With most women, that's not going to be the case. So you have to be the source of strength and the spiritual rock on which she can rest. It's a harsh responsibility, but you're going to have to be willing to take it. And if you're not, then don't bother. Stay single, because you're not, you're not ready. You're not ready to be the man she needs you to be. And that is how you're going to fix the problems of society right now. That is how we get back to something normal, something good. Well, we're about out of time. It's uh, almost one hour, so... 
wrap it up here. As always, many thanks for listening, tuning in, subscribing. If you have not subscribed already, make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. And uh, as always, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you with me, and I will just wrap it up here. This is Didactic Mind, episode 68, V-Day, and I am Didact, signing off.